in my experience, I never really saw Steve doing much of anything in the garage. In the garage. He was kind of always on the phone in the kitchen. Would you ever think back then that it could become what it is right now? Oh no, of course not. not it's at all. very surrealistic. I built the prototypes of the Macintosh. The most legendary. My dream job was I got to build the prototypes of the Apple III mm -hmm. because that was the great computer that everybody wanted. And then you have so many people working on it. How do you keep the secret correct? Yes. So, Which actually leads us into why Steve became so completely totalitarian yeah. and secretive. It was this late summer. We were at the farm for the apple harvest, mm -hmm. and we decided to fast on apples for the whole week. So there's a lot of completely free apples that have a worm sure. in them. You can't sell them. You wouldn't eat the worms, though. <laughs> no, you cut out the worms. Okay, the trivia is, what was the number two choice of a name? Uh... Hello, Valley Talks viewers. In this third season of Valley Talks, we're talking startup branding, and we're kicking off bold with the biggest and the most valued tech giant in the world, Apple. Founded in 1976, Apple is now worth nearly a trillion dollars. Undoubtedly, throughout those years, Apple's brand has remained one of its kind, and it has stolen hearts of hundreds of millions of people. Today, at the lovely DocuSign office, I'm thrilled to speak with Daniel Kotke, one of the first Apple employees and Steve Jobs' college friend. Daniel was there from the earliest of Apple days. Or rather, should I say, Steve Jobs asked him whether he wouldn't want to be involved in a hobbyist computer project, and so he agreed. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on Valley Talks. I'm so thrilled to have you. Happy to be here. Cool. So, hobbies computer project. Is that correct way to put it? Did Steve really ask you, invite you to be involved in the project? What's the, what's the story? You're asking about the Apple One. Mm -hmm. 40 years ago, yep. last year. It's accurate to say the Apple One was a hobbyist computer project. Was was a fanatical hobbyist, mm -hmm. and and Steve Jobs didn't seem like a hobbyist at all. At all, he was having thing, a big vision. The funny thing about no, he didn't no. have a big vision. No. Okay, so not well, he had a secret big vision. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that till much later. But Steve and I became friends in 1972, yes. as freshmen in college. We went to India in 1974. 1975, I came back to California to visit him, and we went to this apple farm. Yep. Okay. Orchard. Communal farm. Farm. <laughs> but 1975 was also the year of the Altair, which was the first hobbyist computer, mm -hmm. and that led to the Homebrew Computer Club, and Waz was at the very first meeting and at every meeting. And that's really where the Apple computer came from because every, all those people were doing projects, either building Altairs or building Imsize, or there were, there were many other models. Mm -hmm. Like you could imagine in the early days of cars, for people, there were lots of models. And Steve had never, in like in the four years I knew him, electronics never came up. Not really at all. 
And actually, now in 74, he had started working for Atari, building video games. Yes. Actually, I think in 1975, he took me to Atari, and I applied for a job. Okay. But I, did, I knew nothing, and they didn't hire me. But well, it was... He, Steve wasn't there, there for long anyway, too. That's right, right he so. wasn't there for long. Yeah. Um, okay, so you joined Steve early, like in the earliest days of now what we know is Apple, which not necessarily had the brand maybe back then. I want to talk about this in a second for sure. Um, but also looking now, Apple is the most valued company in the world, nearly a trillion dollars. Until Amazon, <laughs> until Amazon passes. Uh-uh, not yet. Not yet. Until, yes. But um, I have to ask you right from the beginning, like, you know, comparing those 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 times, like, did you would you ever think back then that it could become what it is right now? Oh no, of course not. not it's at all. very surrealistic. Uh, let's see. The first employees of Henry Ford building cars. Well, I don't know. The world is quite amazing. Oh, yes. The whole the whole technology trajectory is just really amazing. Amazing times we live in. Oh, for sure. Um, I have my own story when it comes to the beginnings of Apple, because actually I was born on April 1st. 1976? Not the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same so. year. A little later. Um, but also the same date. I, I love this date. My favorite of the year. All Fool's Day April also. Fool's Day, yes. So I have my little connection to the beginning of Apple as well, you know, uh, which I found out about later, but yeah. Now, um, whose idea was that? Steve Wozniak's probably. He was the prankster. Prankster, of he, course. Steve Woz is an yeah, yeah. inveterate prankster. Is he still? He is still, mm -hmm. yes. And he loves to tell stories about his pranks. Okay, I gotta have him on Value Talks too. Then. You would be lucky he charges $100,000 to come and tell stories. But well, I, we have uh, common origin. He has some Polish origin. Yes, so that's right. Maybe. That's a good angle. You could maybe. work that angle. Maybe. Who knows? And I'm about to do my roots journey into oh, Poland. Yes. Oh, so I'm awesome. going to have to talk to Steve Wozniak about that. Oh, well, I'd love that. Um, yes, you're, you're going to Poland for the first time. That's very yes. exciting. Because of yes. your ancestor, your my great grandfather. Great grandfather. Thanks to Google Blogs, I found little bits of information. Yeah, that's super exciting. I'm. I hope you love it. You were one of the first employees of Apple, and then depending how you count this, whether it's con you know on a contract. Good or, memory. That's right. Yes. I, I, I'm either the first or the second or the third or the fourth. Or the fourth. Yes. Or the twelfth. Yes, but you know, since you are Steve Jobs' college friend. Um, then, you know, you were there from the earliest days. But tell me about the garage um, story. You're handedly joking that you're the only one working in the garage. How comes that to me? Pretty well, um, uh, when I arrived, Steve's sister Patty was plugging chips onto the boards on the coffee table while, in the living room while she watched television. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's not the best recipe for building computers. And Steve's father had set up the little, Steve's father worked on cars. So he had lots of tools in his garage. He was restoring cars. He was a very innovative uh, entrepreneurial person. But uh, he was very supportive of his son's 
business project. And so he had set up a lab area in the garage. In my experience, I never really saw Steve doing much of anything in the garage. In the garage. He was kind of always on the phone in the kitchen. Or, or cooking or preparing food. We didn't kitchen. cook much, but um, okay. Okay. we lived on carrots and dates and almonds. And apples? Uh, a few apples, yeah. <laughs> well, Steve was into the fruitarian diet. Yes. Anyway, anyway, so I was in the, in the garage mostly by myself building the Apple Ones, and Steve would leave for errands, and then it was my job to run and answer the phone when the phone rang. Well, um, yes, because the phone was in the kitchen. The kitchen. You couldn't yes. move it much. Yes. <laughs> Steve had a full-time job on the calculator team at Hewlett-Packard, and he loved his job, and he was not quitting his job. Yep. So, uh, but he, um, he, he just loved building things. And so he had this Apple One, and even by the time we were selling the Apple One, he had already built the Apple Two. Mm -hmm. So it was a foregone conclusion the Apple One was not going to sell very well because the Apple Two was way better. It had color graphics, it had sound, it had joysticks, you could play games on it. Got it. But I mean, even now, you know, it is a little tricky because whenever companies release something, they already have something newer yes. being done, right? So, and then they just only... That's a very tricky thing to do. Tricky, tricky thing not Don't to... Don't want to ruin your product yeah. with a newer product. Yeah, and then you have so many people working on it. How do you keep the secret, correct? Yes, so yes. It's, it's wild. Which Must... actually leads us into why Steve became so completely totalitarian yeah. and secretive. Once Apple, you know, once he came back to Apple, he knew how bad leaks can be. Mm -hmm. Because the moment pe people hear about the new cool thing, they don't want to buy the older thing. And that's a very serious business serious issue. Thing, and so yeah. in Apple's defense, I was the person who thought, this is ridiculous. Why does it all have to be such a military secret? But really, it's a, it's a very understandable business consideration. Wasn't he like that from the very beginning? No, no, he totally wasn't. Although, okay, so Waz is the one who wants everything to be open, uh -huh. right? So Waz insisted that the schematics and the code for the Apple be public. Now, on the Apple II, the big topic was, because the Apple II had eight slots, and it was such a popular computer that people were plugging in lots of different cards, and the cards had different software that ran with them, and the result was the whole computer became unreliable mm -hmm. because you never knew what was in the other slots. And you can kind of, I don't have to explain that anymore, but that's why when the Macintosh was coming out, it had security screws so nobody could open it. And that was a good strategy, and it made the machine very reliable because there were what was inside the box was known completely. There was right, yeah, yeah. and that was so different too. Yeah, and a lot, and the public didn't really appreciate that. But but it kind of still stayed like this um, that you know Apple is very closed. It, yes, you know. well, you have to do that to be reliable. Now, if you when you compare. Android phones with Apple phones. There's a reason why we love the reliability of the Apple phone. Which one do you have, Apple phone? Oh, of course, Apple <laughs> phone. But 
you know, I mean, Android has its place in the world. Yes. Android are, is far and away the most successful in terms of units. You know, times are changing and the open source is becoming actually, you know, more and more important. So, yes. And especially yes. now in the blockchain era, this is just all like crazy. That's kind of really what I'm dealing with in my smart home server project is to use open source as much as possible. But the thing about open source is you get what you get. It's not necessarily what you want. Yeah, true. Uh, all right, let's anyway. go back to Apple, all right. Apple brand, because that's definitely the something. Apple brand, okay. That's something yes. I want to talk about. We have this new season on startup branding, and I'm so excited to kick it off with Apple. Right. That's amazing. You have your own really awesome story and a fun story about the Apple name, actually, because yes. You went uh, with Steve to the Apple farm, and just tell the rest of it, please. Well, it was called All One Farm. It was a commune, mm -hmm. a hippie commune in the 1970s. And so you went there with Steve? Yeah, Steve and I went there. In and 1975, was that? Four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we probably visited there in 1974 mm -hmm. also. Because... Apple name is from and the apple fruit, Ste obviously, so. Yes, you know. and Steve was um, uh, maybe not obsessed is the right word, but he was intrigued by the mucusless diet healing system books, mm -hmm. which is still interesting. Um, Arnold Eret was a healer in the 1920s, so he wrote the book Rational Fasting, which is still a completely valid idea, mm -hmm. right? Now that we have an obesity epidemic, more people can consider fasting. At the time when it was this late summer, we were at the farm for the apple harvest. Mm -hmm. And we decided to fast on apples for the whole week uh, as an interesting experiment. Because actually when you're harvesting apples, there's a lot of completely free apples that have a worm sure. in them. You can't sell them. Yeah. So it was just free. And um, you wouldn't eat the worms, though. <laughs> no, you cut out the worms. But um, so how did that fasting go for that week? It's not a good diet. No, I would say it's a lot of sugar. Yeah, it's just sugar. Mm -hmm. And so really your blood sugar is going up and down and up and down. That's not really a great diet. Right. So the name for Apple is <clears throat> inspired by the fruit after your trip to after your that trip to the apple farm. Correct. Yes. yes. So you were a part of that trip. So. That's a huge piece of history. Okay, the trivia is, what was the number two choice of a name? Uh, well, let me, I would need to think. I'm, I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The number two choice, if they didn't go with Apple. Was the, was the very electronic name. Matrix Computer Matrix Company, Computer, which yeah. is a funny name now in light of the Matrix films. So yes. the Matrix is kind of like the opposite. Apple is a, exactly. a sunny, organic name. Right. And Matrix is now you think of the dark. Yeah, so Steve was voting for the Apple name, or he didn't know which name to choose, or how? how, how I don't know what look? the number three choice was. And, but I think, I don't know. Waz is a very playful person. So he, I could imagine Apple appealed to Waz mm -hmm. also. And actually, Ron Wayne was the third founder. Yes. Ron did the graphics for the logo, and he wrote the manual, and he did the schematics. 
I don't know that he had an opinion on the name. So what about what about other other people in your in your network or people who were you know already knowing about Apple? How did they react to the name of the brand, Apple? Oh well, at the How time, did it resonate with people. Oh, I don't think there was much reaction at no. all. It was just fine. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, from even now, from like thinking about like branding your own startup, you you think whether I want to go with the trend or I want to go against the trend. Um, you know, where does the where where should the inspiration come from? And it just I think is just it doesn't really matter that much in the beginning. Doesn't matter that much. And then so Steve worked at Atari, and he he did he he did joke a little about that he wants to have the new name like that would be. Before Atari, the oh, phone book, correct? Uh, maybe, yes, yes. That was one of the reasons. That's something to think about. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, when, when I heard that story, I was thinking, like, how smart he was to think about, like, the, the earliest of SEO, as you could say today. Like, you know, search, how do you search for a right. company? So. Well, because Steve was thinking like a marketing person, because he mm -hmm. was the marketing person. Mm -hmm. He was strategic since. And actually, the first ever uh, place where the Apple one was for sale was the People's Computer Company in Menlo Park, PCC. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I just read this in the Draper book, this on, on the on the train up here. Before the before the um, Homebrew Computer Club even started, at the People's Computer Company, they were getting together for dinner every Wednesday night. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. That was that's that's like the roots before the roots. So when it comes to the Apple brand, it has always had this simplicity at its core, right? Uh, even until now, pretty much. Yes. And uh, the simplicity, functionality, and so according to Walter Isaacson's uh, book, uh, the Steve's biography, Steve was actually inspired by the simplicity of the house he was living in which actually was, do you know that story? Which actually was the, the architecture of the house where he lived in was inspired by an early architect in the 90s. You're talking about the Eichlers, Eichler houses? Yes. Yes, which actually puzzled me because uh, the house on Chris Drive, which is where the garage was, mm -hmm. that was not an Eichler. Yep. And Steve had lived there all the way through high school. Okay. But maybe when he was younger, yes. he had lived in an Eichler. That's where his inspiration was from, to, to keep it simple, functional. Yes. Um, that well, makes a little bit of sense. Okay. So it would mean that he was really mm, thoughtful about this from the very beginning. Like, did you have that idea starting working at Apple that Steve wanted it to be simple and, you know, the messaging and the look and everything? Or was it like, did uh, it No, come? because, well, at the time of the Apple One, it was really just about functionality. The Apple One didn't even have a case at all. It was, yeah. you, you were, it was really only for hobbyists. With the Apple II, that's when Steve was thinking about selling to consumers, not hobbyists. And so the early ads for the Apple II, pictured the Apple II on the kitchen counter, and Susie Housewife is looking up her recipes on the Apple II. Yeah. So that okay. was the... Yeah, okay, the so it came a little, a little later, but it yes. makes sense because with the first one you really test, you really figure out what the product is. 
or what the demo of the product is, correct? Right. And actually you worked on the first prototypes of Apple II and, and Macintosh, correct? Yes, yeah. Year, those were years apart. Yes, years, uh, years apart, but today I actually Macintosh is... never, um, once I started working full-time at Apple, mm -hmm. the original Apple II prototype disappeared. Hmm. Like, I never ever saw it. I saw it in 1976 in a shoebox, because Waz would carry it around in a cardboard box, um, and he claims it was destroyed in a fire, he thinks. Hmm. So I didn't build prototypes of the Apple II. Okay. Uh, I was just the production technician. Okay. Uh, I built the prototypes of the Macintosh. The most legendary one. And, I, and actually, no, my dream job was I got to build the prototypes of the Apple III, which was very exciting mm -hmm. because that was the great computer that everybody wanted. We thought it would be wildly successful because it, you know, the Apple II had a number of limitations. Mm -hmm. And so we took all the things that people wanted to add to the Apple II and built it all into the Apple III. And that was very exciting. And then you didn't get to work on it. Well, the Apple III was a uh, complicated project. It's not quite fair to say it was a huge failure, but it was a failure uh, in the marketplace anyway. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Got it. Um, so, Daniel, we don't have much time left, although right. I would want to talk with you about all those stories. We would definitely be sitting here like for, for days and talking for sure. I would be just listening, actually, and just want to hear. Well, here, that. let me just say one more thing. Yeah. Since you're asking about branding, mm -hmm. I can remember very clearly the, the day the Apple logo first showed up. Okay. Okay, now we had an apple, so we had the Ron Wayne uh, drawing of Newton sitting under the apple tree, mm -hmm. which was kind of 18th century art, and that was not really the right feeling. So, um, and I don't remember, we sold the computers in brown, brown boxes. There was no printed box. Mm -hmm. We had a manual, and it just had a black apple with a bite taken out of it, okay? But then, one day, someone showed up with a brochure with the rainbow stripes mm -hmm. on the apple. And that was a branding genius, <clears throat> genius move. And I think, um, in my memory, it was black solid black apple first, and the color bars came later. But because Apple was a color graphics machine, it made perfect sense. And I think Apple did very well with that rainbow logo over the years. That was mm -hmm. a really smart idea. And I remember yeah. thinking when I first saw that, wow, this company could actually do well. This looks appealing. You see, right? and it did. It's the power of branding. <laughs> yeah, and it did. Thank you so much for sharing this. So when you see, look at when you look at Apple now, at the huge spaceship office. Oh my God! You know it has actually taken over all of the Cupertino. Yes. In, like all of the world, yes. pretty much so many offices, stores. Not unlike Ford taking over Detroit. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. So how how do you feel now, and what do you think when it comes to Apple? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's just all like science fiction, really. Um, <laughs> you cannot actually realize like what really happened, right? Like how big it became. Like it's probably just. It's uh, very surrealistic. Yeah, very surrealistic. As many aspects of our technology world are mm -hmm. very surrealistic. The, the genetics work that's going on is just like science fiction. And spaceships to the moon, and uh, hyperloops, and blockchain, nanotechnology. It goes on and Do on. Do you and visit on. Apple offices at times? Right. Um, I go for lunch mm -hmm. with various friends from time to yeah. time. I haven't been to the big spaceship yet. yet. It's, I, yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. Actually, we tried to go. It wasn't even open yet, so we couldn't. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have your own new venture in the smart home system. I have a vision. A vision. I have a vision. Not a venture yet. It's a vision that's turning into a concept for a venture. Uh-huh. Okay. No, there is a concept for a venture. <laughs> it's at the prototyping stage, fair oh, to say. Got it. It's been stuck it. on that stage for a few years. Got but. it. Are there any, any lessons or any you know, practices from your early Apple days that, you know, that's an obvious question but that just comes to well, mind that you would use now? I would say, speaking to entrepreneurs in general, the f um, it is true that when I'm in my little closet room building a prototype, you know, you have to start with a prototype, yep. okay? Not all companies start with a prototype. Nowadays, many people have an idea, and they go to a hackathon, and they make a little app, and then they try and raise money. But um, I'm old school in the sense that I believe you should have your prototype first yeah. before you try to sell it. Yeah. So some people have something you know, really small, and, the, and they raise money right away. Other people actually want to build the product right away and go to market with They think it's so genius. Right, which isn't actually also well. You know, look at the business model of yeah. Amazon, yeah. which has been wildly, wildly successful. Amazon never had a profit for mm -hmm. its first twenty years. Mm -hmm. They priced everything so low that there was no profit at all. I remember but I got my dictionary for a dollar. It all went into growth of the business. So I think. Yeah. The business lesson is clear that that is a perfectly good approach. It kind of depends what business you're in. Yeah. Now, SpaceX couldn't work that way. You know, to do outer space, you have to have a lot of funding to begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. For sure. Anyway. Well, um, so I wish you at least as much success as Apple has with your new venture. Well, that's a very optimistic <laughs> and kind thought. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniel, for joining me on Vitox. It's been a huge pleasure to have you here. Okay. Thank Hope you. that was entertaining.